is Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 387. Welcome to the Robin Caleb Improv Show. My name is Caleb Haig. And I'll take that as a cue in the Improv Show. My name is Rob Van Hoff. I, as usual, have no specific one-liner to offer. <laughs> improv as always. Now, I call it the Robin Caleb Improv Show. Why do I do that? Well, let me just tell you why I do that. Today is a very special day in the nine years of us broadcasting this show on YouTube. And that is because I currently have the shortest amount of show notes I have ever had. And they're so short, in fact, that I can read them to you right now. Ready for it? Here we go. Here Here are our show notes for today. Sunday School Jesus. That's all I got. That's the whole thing. That's two words. It's three words. So, or is Sunday School one word? I guess it's one word. Yeah. I don't know. Let's. What we need. We need to. What does Rabbi need, Google say? Yeah. Is Sunday School one word or two? I'm sure the chat room will inform us very quickly. On, yeah, that's on, that's our first that. order of business. If Lois is in the chat room, we'll we'll not only get an explanation, but we will get a full rundown of the etymology of Sunday School as well. I love you, Lois. I'm just playing. I believe Lois was a uh, quite a good uh, uh, homeschool mom. So she's she's in her element in those things. Okay. Um, so now you know all my show notes. <clears throat> and that's why I call well, this the... I think I, if I could prod this forward a little bit, Caleb. Please, please. I think that where this came from was I, I said we were talking on Monday. And I made just this point. I, I said in Sunday school growing up, you know, I, I have what I call the coloring book, Jesus. And the coloring book, Jesus, that I grew up with, which is, is not wrong, is good. It's, it, it's good, but it is obviously abridged, <laughs> right? It's, it's uh, I think, in terms of the teacher's um, intent, is to be age appropriate, right? It's an age appropriate Jesus. And my, my reflection though, as, as uh, an adult, I need to square two different scriptures, which were kind of together in my mind, one from uh, John, one from Matthew. Um, and the one in John is, you know, you do not believe me because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, they follow me. Okay, that's sure. from John 10. In Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, it says, many will say on that to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons, et cetera, et cetera? We did miracles in your name. And I will declare to them, <clears throat> pardon me, depart from me. I never knew you. You practice, you doers of lawlessness. And that's the the Jesus that um, I wasn't, you know, the pictures that you color as a kid is Jesus with the children, right? Jesus with the lamb over his, his shoulder. You yeah. Know? Warm and fuzzy Jesus. Yeah. And, and that's, those are true and good because there's good scriptural background, right? There's, and there's always biblical verses, you know, that, that the kids learn that are associated with those pictures. And I, I have nothing against that. I'm just saying there's what, where do we get to the point where we see the picture or the, you know, 
of this Matthew 7. My, my dad always said this. He always said a lot of people see God as the grandfather in the sky and people just want to cuddle up on his lap. But God is an all-consuming fire. So do you really want to curl up on an all-consuming fire? Mm-hmm. He said that when I was young. So, I, I mean, ultimately, the, I think the real question that needs to be asked is, are we doing a disservice by, by uh, only showing a piece of the puzzle to the children? And I think the answer is yes. And I'll give you some examples. Now, we could go to the extreme. We could go the opposite direction, right? In other religions, for instance, I mean, you could look at multiple different religions in Tibetan Buddhism, right? So in Tibetan Buddhism, if the Dalai Lama lies, what What I meant was Dalai Lama dies, what happens? They wait, I don't know, a certain amount of months, and then they go out searching for the new Dalai Lama who has been reincarnated from the old one. They take a bunch of the previous Dalai Lama stuff, and then they choose the Dalai Lama, right? Okay. And then once they have this kid from a very young age, right, from like a baby, This kid doesn't, it's like, we don't get pictures of the Dalai Lama as a child going out and playing, right? Everything is study, everything. Now, I'm sure there is some form of play, but ultimately the point is, is that from a very, very, very young age, uh, the expectation is extremely high. We see the same thing in Islam, right? They are... uh, they're weaponizing children at a very young age. They're putting guns into their hands and whatnot. Why? Because the children are willing to go and fight for Allah, right? The false god Allah. And yet within Christianity, what I think we're trying to do even, is... I've even seen, you know, they have little Barbie and Barbie dolls where guy, you know, Ken dolls that have like suicide bombs strapped on. Have you seen those? Like they oh, yeah. actually teach them martyrdom, quote unquote. Yeah, but the point is, is that within, within we should say Western, within Western Christianity, right? Because I'm not sure if this applies across the board. You know, in Africa, there have been some amazing stories of, and the, the way that children are raised is much different than in, in the West. But here in America, it's, you know, we sugarcoat a lot. We have these kitty gloves on and we handle our kids with these real, you know, and we feed them, we spoon feed them a Jesus that is... Uh, that is exactly what you said. It's kind of this warm, lovey dovey. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We should certainly explain that that you know Jesus loves the little ch- children. Yeshua is a loving God. He he's the all loving God, right? Love is he is love. That's what love is. Is God is love, um, but love isn't God anyway. So th- well, um, this gets into, you know, you, you were talking about in the same conversation, we touched on a couple of things. One of them was, I think you, you and your family were walking on a bridge or like a, 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 a pedestrian bridge or somewhere in your area. And right. you saw some signs. Did you remember that? You wanna- so it was actually, spray, it was either chalk or spray painted on the, on the cement of the bridge. And it said, love always wins. Now we see this, you know, I'm in, one of the most liberal cities in all of the United States. You know, everybody, for the most part, there's a couple of there's a couple of really good churches around us. I'm not. I don't want to put everybody into the basket that's going to hell. But there's a there's a whole lot of LGBTQ inclusion. You know, there the rainbow flags abound around our house. On our on our street alone, I think we have uh, four houses that we know are homosexual. Right. So, I mean, the, we're really in a, in, we're on the front lines. 
But uh, so this idea of love wins is- I'm going to call you Lot. <laughs> I feel like that sometimes. I do. No, but I the, won't though. That, but no. thank you. The, the 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 idea of love win, wins is all over the place. You know, uh, live your best life and, you know, um, love always wins and love is love. And the thing is, is that I agree actually with hell all of those. Hell is hell. <laughs> that's what we, that's your sign, Caleb. That is correct. Uh, Get a shirt. Agree, There's a shirt for you. Hell is hell. I, I agree with the, with the statement, love is love. And I agree with the statement that love always wins. But what I think has happened is that people have not understood what true love is and that people don't understand what, uh, yeah, people, ultimately people don't understand what living your best life is and people don't understand what, uh, love is. So we have to define both those things, right? So if we define love properly, love will always push a person towards Christ. Now, people, I know the pushback on this. I know what the pushback is on this. And that is certainly an unbelieving person can love their child. And I would say, sure, there's there's degrees of love, right? There is the natural uh, want to protect your children. There's the natural want to raise your children, right? And uh, a, a emotional connection and an emotional love for your children. But I, there's really not a good way to talk about this without going to the extreme. You know, the person who was at, uh, you know, at Auschwitz and registering all the Jews, right, as they come off the trains or whatever, and they're set, you know, they say, oh, yeah, just right in there, you don't worry, you get a nice shower, and, you know, then you're into the barracks. It's not, you know, nothing to worry about. Now, just because that person doesn't know all of the atrocities that are happening behind them doesn't mean that what they're doing is loving. They're offering them a shower. That's not loving. You're actually leading those people to their death. And Romans 1 tells us that there is no excuse. You look outside and you have to know that there's a God. There, you know, the fool says in his heart there is no God. Why? Because you look outside and you see a God. So Ultimately, yeah, can a parent, a non-believing parent love their child? Absolutely, they can. But the fullest amount of love is a knowledgeable love about God that pushes the child towards Christ because ultimately, otherwise, you're pushing them in the opposite direction, which is hell. You can't be fully loving and bringing your child or anyone else into a relationship that is going to, uh, that is going to pull them away from God. It doesn't work like that. I'm on a rant at this point. Therefore, therefore. So the back notion, to love, love wins or whatever. Love, the love does win because love always has to be coupled with justice, with full justice. And my thought was that my response to love wins was true. And yeah. not every, not everybody wins because not everybody loves. Right. Right. I think the, the idea of love wins back with the, who is the guy? Who is the guy who did the NUMA videos uh, in Michigan? I think um, Rob Bell, Rob Bell. Oh yeah. 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 The idea and is he wrote the no book. Hell. Love wins. Yeah. There is no hell. Right. The idea is that love wins means everybody. It's all good. Every, everybody's good in the end. And that's not the case. That's you have to account for this this back back to those two verses you have to account for yeshua your picture of yeshua must have a, a depart from me i never knew you right there's and 
And are we going to accuse Yeshua of being unloving in that moment? No, that's just, that's back to your point about justice. Him saying, depart from me, I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness, he cites the Psalm, Psalm 6 or whatever the verse is. We, we're not going to say that's unloving. We're not going to say that's unjust. Although our, our modern politically correct snowflakeism, <laughs> right, is going to, oh, you know, how dare you, you know, they, because they don't want the, they don't want the scriptural Jesus, right? The, the, the churches that quote churches that are promoting gay ministers and gay marriage and all this kind of stuff and are pro-abortion, right? They want the idea of the Bible. They want the idea, an idea of, of God, Okay, but, but they but, don't but want God. What's the idea that they, so this is great? It's idolatry. Oh, I would say it's idolatry. It is idolatry. Okay, you're absolutely right. I was thinking about this the other day as I was driving because I was thinking about well, there's a there's a high profile case right now going on, uh, and uh, well, I guess I'll just mention it. You know, the the sentencing of Josh Duggar. Right. I was thinking about this and the and the notion of <clears throat> not just child pornography. Okay, like that's horrific. That I mean, we're talking an evil that is. I mean, ultimately, I think it's very demonic. I think. Well, it, and Yeshua it, said, "It says, it's it would be better for that person to have a millstone around their neck and cast into the sea. That would be better, right? Which is but, a pretty horrific. But ultimately, but ultimately, thing. not thinking about ch- child pornography. I mean, I think anyone can look at that who's not a, a, a anyway. I just looking at the pornography industry in let's just say in America today, you know, I was thinking about that and I I thought there's not a whole lot of parents who would be okay with their child entering such an industry. However, it's becoming more and more accepted. And to me, this can be likened to the cult prostitutes of the first century. And I thought about that and I thought, well, if they're the cult po- prostitutes of, of this, uh, of this era, then who is, what is the temple and who is the God? And ultimately this comes back to the American, the American God. We say that America is a Christian nation, but ultimately America is a idolatrous nation because we have, uh, you know, consumerism and self has become the God. Right. right? There are Christians in America. Right. right. Yeah, but, but it's not, but ultimately it, even within the even within the church, right? We see a huge amount uh, t- there's a, a church here and this this was 7 years ago, 6 mm-hmm. 7 years ago. We were looking for a church for someone that we know. And uh they were in a very vu- vulnerable place and so we were we were trying to go and find a church that they could go to and and, and maybe get locked into and, while they were in their vulnerable vulnerable position and then come to Christ. We went to this church it's it's a mega church here in uh, in Tacoma, and uh, when I was there, the first thing that happened when we walked into the quote unquote sanctuary, which was not a sanctuary, I've never seen anything like I've never seen a sanctuary like this. It, it was an auditorium for a, a rock concert, and I, I mean that literally. Uh, he, the very first thing that we encountered with the pastor was a Lexus commercial, and I'm not joking. He put a Lexus up on the on the big screen. He had the salesman's name. You know, tell him I sent you this whole thing. And so this is the, obviously we're talking in extremes here, right? But ultimately I think that this has seeped in somewhat into many of the churches today, not all of them by any stretch of the imagination, but 
in many of the churches today, the notion is, is, is that just buy, buy, buy. It's all about how I'm feeling. It's all about how, I, you know, how, how it's going to affect me, right? This is idolatry because ultimately we shouldn't care anything about that. What we should care about is how does this affect the holiness of God? Because I belong to him. Right. And ultimately, I think that what one of the things that we've done is we've taken we've taken ourselves out of the warrior culture. Essentially, if we read the Bible the way that it's actually supposed to be uh, supposed to be read, there is a significant amount of warrior culture within the Bible. And. I, I don't know, I think that there within warrior culture there's this notion of you train hard, you train fully, you are constantly striving to be the best. And you do that not for yourself, you do that for the greater cause. And I think that we've really lost that in the American church. And not just the American church, I mean, the Western church at large, right? We instead, everything's about feelings, everything's about how we feel and all this stuff. And I think that that's self-centered. Am I off track on this? No, I think back to the idea of love is what what defining biblical love. It's not a feeling, right? Right. It's it, it's not absolutely. A, it's not a preference. It's not an opinion. It's not something. Oh, you have yours and I have mine, and we we shouldn't uh, mess with each other's concepts of love, right? Because how dare you judge me? You know that's. But I wondered, I get back to the, the Sunday school Jesus. Is it, is there, is, has there been too much of the Sunday school Jesus that has somehow enabled such a, you can't, don't judge me. You're, you're, you're not a good Christian if you judge me, you know, and, and aversion to like what you're talking about, like a, like a sense of, and this touches on last week too, maybe the idea of allegiance or an, a, a code and, but also training, like the value that it's not even, it's more than value. It's the essential fact of training in the, as disciples. Yes. And training means you're dependent on, on a trust, a relationship of trust of someone who's gone before you. Right. And you're going to, you're going to, be disciplined in that relationship and you're going to obtain wisdom and skill. Uh, you're going to receive encouragement from them. You're going to receive um, uh, counsel and, and it'll make your life so much better. My wife and I were talking about this as like, because someone had sent me a note about some question. I said, you know, I said, you know, being a disciple is First of all, it costs everything, right? I mean, that's right. Yeshua makes that point. But it's I said, free, you, but it'll cost you, you your entire life. Yeah, it'll cost you time, money, all your energy, and it's got to be number one priority. Yep. Like if it's yep. not, if it's not all those things, you're playing around. You know, you're just playing religion. You know, um, but aside from that, and I said, if and if you want to obtain a big picture perspective of the word of God, it's the language, the interpretation history, how it's been um, taken to mean different things in different times, Judaism, Judaism versus Christianity, all this stuff. I said, you're going to, it's like, you have to become a mountain climber 
and you have to climb Mount Everest over and over and over again. And you're going to know all the pitfalls. You're going to know, you're going to, you're going to have to have skills that are at sometimes are life and death, right? But you're going to have a perspective that if someone just looks at the picture, they can go, oh, I, I can watch a movie about someone climbing Mount Everest. Sure. But the problem is we have so many people out there who are going around presenting themselves as if they're mountain climbers and they've never, they've never done the, the hard work of actually climbing the mountain. And those are the people teaching the Bible when they. Okay. They so, so I, I got a lot to say on this and go, here's, go, go. here's, stop, here's the, here's the reason why is because, okay. Back to the warrior culture analogy. So, so leading up into what you just said, you know, when, when I think of warrior culture, what I think of is, is total life domination of whatever you're doing. In other words, you don't, you don't just go and, you know, in modern times, you know, you might be able to go and, and you take a class here or there, you know, you take a Zumba class or whatever. But if you're really going to get into warrior culture in Zumba. our day, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's but I mean, like anyway. if, if you're really going to get into warrior culture today, what do you do? Well, you go and you're, you're there, you know, it's six times, 10 times, bow 12 your, times. Bow to your sins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Napoleon but it doesn't stop there. You come home and you don't, you know, you're on a diet. And why are you on a diet? Because... Ultimately, if you're not, when you go the next time to train, you're going to be slow. You're going to be sluggish. You're going to get hurt. All these kind of things, right? Yeah, and the system's you, going to spit you out. Right, exactly. Right. If, and, if you're either, you're either on. And if what would your what would your teacher say if like you come back and you didn't practice anything? Right. Exactly. You're, it, you're going to feel you're going to feel shame, right. and it's good that you feel the shame because that's on you, man. Like you, you signed up for it. Exactly. You go home, you stretch, right? All of a sudden your your whole life changes as soon as you as soon as you decide like as soon as you decide, right? As soon as you decide you're gonna do this, it's like your diet changes, your routines change, right? Because now all of a sudden you have to stretch. You have to, you know, you have to do push-ups every day. I don't know, whatever. The point is is that you this it becomes this life-consuming thing. And ultimately, it's like being a vegan or being doing CrossFit, right? How do you know that somebody does CrossFit? You've talked to them. That's it. They will tell you within the first 10 seconds that they do CrossFit. It's the same with martial arts. How do you know that somebody do, does jujitsu? They will tell you in the first 15 seconds where they, all about it, you know? My wife and I always uh, make the joke, have you asked jujitsu into your life yet, right? That's like, because it's like the all-consuming religion, right? <laughs> I and, love it. And the, and the thing is, is that, is that it, it, the reason it's like that is because a person who goes all in is it changes their entire life. But here's the thing is that because we've lost that warrior culture in our, in our time and, and day, you know, in, in Israel, it, once you hit 20, according to the Torah, once you hit 20, you pick up a sword. Unless you just got married within the past year, there's a couple of exceptions. But ultimately, if you're 20 and you're a man, you pick up a sword and you go to, and you, and you're part of the army. That's what you do. You go fight. And so we've lost this, I think, within our culture. And coming back to what you've said about, you know, teachers, there's videos online, back to, you know, jujitsu, there's videos online of these guys who claim to have black belts. You can see this in like Taekwondo as well. They'll claim to have black belts. And then real black belts will walk into their academies and just absolutely destroy them. You know, like, like obviously they've never taken a class in their life of anything, right? So in and other I, words, they have no, they have no business promoting yeah, themselves not, you know, to, to be something they're not. 
they've never been on the diet, they've never stretched, they've never done anything. They're just trying to make a couple of bucks by getting a couple of naive people in their front doors. And ultimately, it's unfortunate, but this happens in our in in especially in the Torah movement, right? Within Christianity, not so much. In fact, I was at a church uh, a couple of weeks ago, and and somebody said to me, you know, I said, "Well, I, I had done some pastoring," and they said to me, "Oh, really? Where'd you get your training?" Like that's the first question out of their mouth. Not like, "Oh, when did you get the word from the Holy Spirit or anything?" Like, "Where'd you get your training?" And ultimately, within the Torah movement, this is not the case. Within the Torah movement, it's just like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to call myself rabbi. I'm going to call myself teacher. I'm going to go whatever." And ultimately, these are like the guys with the with, that put on the fake black belt and open their academy, and all these people come flocking to them, and all these people are, you know, hanging on every word and, and whatnot. And what you know, then they call they they call schools cemeteries instead of seminaries. And guess what? The guys with actual seminaries degree, degrees are like the black belts. They actually know how to handle the language. But here's the thing: all of this goes back to what Rob was saying about the notion that as believers, what we need to do, what we need to do, is we need to be all in. That warrior culture of it's going to cost me time. It's going to cost me money. You know, I have to get my stretching in. I have to get be on the diet. I have to, you know, I have to go two, three times a week minimum, if to, not. I have to. 12. What are my what are the fundamentals? What are the rudiments? It's the same right. thing with uh, musicians, right? I mean, you could take the any area of skill where there's a refinement of of skill is going to have what are the core practice, right? If it, if like Caleb and I, we play stringed instruments, for example, you know, where you have to, you know, there's motor skills, there's scales, right? It's, and, and the scale itself isn't music. It's not a song. But if, if, if you don't have a fluidity with scales, it's not like you can jump in and play a Bach sonata or... Exactly. And, and another great analogy is the musician analogy, right? When, when you start playing an instrument, I, I mean, I hated that. You know, <laughs> six, years, six years old and all, and all I'm doing is these arpeggios and scales. And it was awful. I absolutely hated it. Yeah, exactly. And it sounds awful. But see, now you've, but you have mastered that, you know, you can pick up a cello and warm up fairly quickly. And I haven't done it in a long time, but I'm well, sure I probably could. But the, the point is it shows that those skills, once you do that, that hard work and you dig the ditches, I tell my language students, you're digging ditches in your brain, right? You're digging ditches. And the, and if, if you don't dig deep enough ditches, the ditches that you already have are going to determine your thoughts. Right. So when you're learning a new Greek paradigm or a Hebrew or Aramaic or whatever, you, you have to do the work. No one can, I can't jump in your brain and dig that ditch for you. You know, you know I, ultimately. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I like in a lot of this stuff that I did in music, music is a great analogy because I like in a lot of the stuff that I did in music to the things that I'm attempting to do right now. So, so for instance, uh, you know, I've always said that languages are not my thing. I, I'm just awful with languages. They don't stick in my brain. I don't get them. But guess what? I'm signed up. I start Hebrew next week at Southern. Okay. It's going to take a whole lot of work. And I remember when I was, when I was uh, at the University of Puget Sound trying to play the Saint-Saëns Concerto for cello, right? And there's this there's this note that's up 
almost at the end of your fingerboard. And you have to jump from the very low all the way up. I practiced that jump for hours and hours. That just, you know, five notes over and over yeah, and over. And there's over no over fret over there for you. No fret. You, you have to You land. don't know where you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like hanging off of a cliff with one arm. You, you don't know what's going to happen, right? You just, you know, and, and I played that thing. I mean, I thousands of times I played those five notes, thousands of times. And at the end of those thousands and thousands of times, I could hit it about four out of five times. Nice. <laughs> it still That's wasn't awesome, perfect, man. right? But ultimately, all of this, all of this is to is to say that I think we have this notion. We used to call it my 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 family used to call. Uh, we used to have a term for this, which was Sunday Christians, and we didn't mean like they go to church on Sunday. We meant like they're only Christians on Sunday, right? Like, you know, and people will say like Christmas Christians or Easter Christians or something like that, right? Same kind of concept. And I think that one of the things that the Torah movement at large, and we can talk about this you, too. You somebody, mean Sabbath Christians? <laughs> I guess, yeah. But no, I think sorry. I think this is one of the things that the the uh, the Torah movement has really attempted to center on is oh, there's all this hypocrisy in the church. It's always been like that. It has always been like that. The Puritans oh, yeah. talk about it. You know, there's always been the the people who have not gone all in. And somebody said in the chat room, I wonder if this is one of the pr- pushes towards pronomian Christianity. And I think it is. Not because, I think there's two things going on. I think with the push towards pronomian Christianity, what you have is you have people who are fervent and they, they, they want to go all in. They want to be at the gym twice a day. Right, they want to be on the diet. They want it the whole nine. They want they're ready to convert to Hasidism. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. But but what do they have? What do they have? They got a church that gets together on Sunday for an hour. You know, maybe they have a program in the middle of the week. I'm always shocked when I'm driving. You know, you drive and you see a, a church's billboard. It says meet us Sunday Sunday services. You know, nine to ten a.m. <laughs> I'm just like, how does that work? Now that I mean, is like, can can you can you fit us in your schedule? You know, see, but so we need to be careful because there are really good churches, really good churches, Understood. In our area and that, hopefully they they want, if someone came, they would open up a whole world of connective. I mean, there's option. there's a church in our area. They you know hour and fifteen minutes to an hour and a half on Sunday, but then there is something every single day of the week. So I, I'm not trying to throw everybody under the bus, but what I am saying is is that there is I think one of the pushes pushes towards pronomian Christianity. If you don't know what that term means, we'll explain it. It just simply means pro law, meaning you know a, a coming into an understanding of you know ultimately the Sabbath, kosher laws, and the festivals. But the the Torah at large, the the commands of God, is all life engulfing, right? It's it's not a it's not a let's do it on Sunday kind of a thing. It's every single day, God reaches into every aspect of our life, and as He should, right? The, I mean, it's it's a way to to live an ascetic life essentially. And I think that there is this want, this fervent want to just go all in for God and to do more than just go sit in a pew on, on Sunday for an hour. And so I think that it's, that that is absolutely true. I think that one of the reasons that we're seeing such growth and those who are in the church, I, you know, those who are in the standard 
Sunday church. I don't think they see how how rapidly this is is catching fire. In the past thirty years, we've gone from you know a couple of people here and there to massive amounts of people believing that the Sabbath should be kept, or massive amounts of people wanting to keep a Passover seder or whatever it may be. Right there, there is a push. There's a movement going on within the church, and that's good and it's bad. And the reason why is because right before you had this massive awakening within the church, if we want to call it that, what you had was you had those couple of people, those handful of people who were coming into this understanding, opening their own dojos. And they didn't have black belts, they had white belts. And instead of training people the way that they should, they opened up the front doors, they just got floods of people. And now you have these, you know, now you have people who fervently love the Lord who are just being led astray by just total and complete nonsense. It's, it's unbelievable. <sighs> Anything else on that? Um, somebody in the chat room said they want my show notes. They want me to send them <laughs> the show notes. <laughs> uh, let's, let's pause and think back here. Well, ultimately we could keep going with the idea. Well, of the, you know what? There's a verse that there's a verse that I, I really like. We could, we could just talk about uh, back to the warrior culture. I pull, I pulled this and then I forgot about it. Second Timothy two, Paul's writing Timothy and, and just verse three. I'm just taking a snippet out. Suffer hardship with me. This is Paul to Timothy as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier, and this is the NASB, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. I love that because where do we get our marching orders? You know, I've had people contact me lately about, you know, some fringe calendar dispute that people are getting into. And I, I, part of me just wants that. It's like, are you like, who enlisted you as a soldier? Like the the people who are promoting this strange calendar, like who sent you, right? Are you, are you, you know, scripture says that, that if you're representing the word of God, you are likened to a soldier who's been enlisted, who enlisted you, you know, and are, what's your training? Like, are you equipped for the task that you're, that you're showing your, that you're uh, portraying yourself to be? And because sometimes you, I feel like, you know, sometimes there's people who are of the more narcissistic bent and they are just running forward with something they don't understand, but it gives them a position of, uh, like leverage to just power that they have knowledge that other people don't have. And they just want everybody to get on board. Those people are never going to listen because they've never sat down and listened because their agenda is not one of a sheep to be, to listen and learn, but rather to be a wolf and to, to plunder. Right. But then I have to allow that somewhere there's going to be people who've been stirred up and influenced by that. And they're willing to, listen and learn. And so, you know, that, that always takes, uh, some, some questioning, you know, you know, be, I, but the, the idea, where was I going that I kind of lost my, my main train of thought. There's a, there is coherence with the word of God 
and our character for, for someone who's a teacher. And there's a reason why, like in Ephesians, it says that there are teachers in the body of Messiah, right there. It means because we all have to be students, right? We, it, not everybody's a teacher. You know, there's other things besides teachers that are also needed in the body. But, but Yeshua puts teachers in the body for a purpose. And I, you know, one of my, if I have triggers <laughs> where the off goes off, it's people who are going around teaching and they're not a teacher. Yeah. And then the mess they make and the damage they cause. And that, that's just an ongoing source of, uh, you know, frustration, but also just prayer, just crying out to the Lord, like, Lord, you know, we can talk we, about, we can talk about the at Sefer here in just a few seconds. Cause that's been on your mind and my mind, but oh, yeah. first, you know, I, we've, I've had some comments here and that let, let me tell you where a lot of this came from for me and especially the, the idea of warrior culture. So <clears throat> I got my son into jujitsu. Okay. And, uh, this is actually a really long story on why we, we finally got him into this school, but we got him into this school. I show up the very first time and there is a buddy that I had back when I was in my teens. Okay. Haven't seen him in 20 years and he's sitting there and his two kids are in as well. He, when I knew him, he had a black hoodie with spikes, a huge anarchist patch on the back, right? He had a, like, he had a mohawk, the, the whole thing, right? He was just all about anarchy, right? Well, then he got into the military, apparently, and now he's a Seattle p- police officer, which is just perfect. It's hilarious. But That's a tough job, man. Especially in Seattle. In Seattle. I mean, I don't think people realize how tough not, of a job not it good is support. in Seattle. Uh-huh. Yeah. But and anyway. uh, actually, that was kind of so leading into that. I, I, I said to him, so we were talking about all that. And, and uh, he was asking about where I've been and what I've been doing. And I was talking about some of the stuff I've been up to. And he said, he said, you know, I wish that I would have been like that. I said, what do you mean? He goes, spiritual. I wish I would have, you know, been spiritual. And I said, how old are you, man? What, 43, 44? So, yeah. I said, well, there's plenty of time, right? You can, you can, you can still be, you know, you can still have a relationship with the Lord. And so we started talking about that. And he said, well, I'm really into warrior culture. And one of the reasons that I like the Psalms is because the Psalms have a lot of warrior culture in them. And mm-hmm. so he started talking about that. He said, you know, I've, I've read a lot of uh, Norse religion. I like that because all the warriors go to, you know, go to Nirvana or whatever. And it's not Nirvana. I forget what it is. Anyway, Odin's temple. La yeah, Valhalla. That's what it is. He said, and uh, and I'm I'm been into the samurais and stuff like that. And, and you know, and actually, I asked him, why are you still with Seattle PD? Why haven't you left? And he said, I'm you know warrior culture. I I believe in loyalty. And they took me in when when uh, nobody else would. And so because of that conversation, I thought to myself, I'd really like to witness to my friends more. And so I went and I bought a book on four ancient warrior cultures. And the first one was samurai. And so I started reading about the warrior cultures. And then he had mentioned a book called The Five Rings, which was written by a samurai. And I just started reading that, but it's real small, 54 pages. Uh, And I started reading that book. And 
you know, obviously these guys are like Buddhists, right? But when they're talking about war, they're really talking about strategy. They're talking, you know, it's, it's, you can tell that everything that they do, everything that they do is wrapped up in this, the way that they eat, the way that they walk, the way that they carry themselves, the things that they say, everything. And to me, it's the same thing as the person who, you know, who is, you know, we see this a lot in like the messianic realm, right? You'll see people and I've, I've, succumb to this myself when I was 18 years old. I just wanted to to be all in for God. So what did I do? I went to Israel and I put black and white clothes on, try to integrate myself into the Hasidic community. Why? Because I didn't know what the Hasids believed. I just wanted to be ultra orthodox. I just wanted to be really committed. That's Zealous what I thought and, that meant. And devoted. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is that it's the same thing in, in today's warrior culture of wanting to just be fully committed to something. And I think that what what much of modern Christianity has missed with the Sunday school Jesus is that it's not, you know, it, it salvation is a free gift of God that will cost you your entire life. You know, when 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 I was pastoring, one of the questions I would ask is how often do you read your Bible? N- there was no one that I asked that question to who said every single day. I sit down every single day for a half an hour or I sit down every day for an hour. It's like, well, what are you doing? What part of this, of giving your entire life, do you not realize? Like, that's more important than your job. It's more important, you know, all these things. We find time to, to train. We find time to have it engulf our life. You know, who are you witnessing to at your job? Who, you know, how are you glorifying God in this? Well, one other way, it sounds maybe more flippant, but, you know, in the epistle of James, he says it's like, look, you look reading the Torah is like looking in a mirror. And the people who walk away, they f- instantly forget what kind of man he is. It's like, how often do you look in the mirror? <laughs> now, I know I need a haircut right now. My wife said, you got a haircut. But I do know back. that. At least I know that I need a haircut. Dude, you, know? I, you should shave the sides and really go back <laughs> no, to the 80s. We're dude. not going that'd back be, to the 80s, that'd be buddy. epic. We're not. Uh... <laughs> Ultimately. No, but the idea is, how often do you, do you look in the mirror every day? You know, the scriptures are, you know, that the old man is happy when we don't read the Bible. The old man wants to avoid the Bible. You know, it's, we gotta, I, we gotta put that guy to death every day. I put, I put something out on social media on my Facebook page. I don't know, a week or two ago. I've really thought about it a lot. It was somebody who was, who was a trying, trying to attack me for, you know, they basically said that I should go eat pork and realize what the real gospel was. Okay. That's fine. Like I, that's whatever. That's fine. But ultimately, the it, it really got me. That thinking. sounds that sounds right out of scripture, Caleb. What you need <laughs> is to go eat pork and right. and uh, learn the real gospel. Right. It's like uh, oh, that wasn't even the the what I took away from that though. What I took away from that was just the, like the overpowering fervent want I have to know oh, God's yeah. law. Right. Like. The person who said all that, that's fine. Do go, you go live your best life, man. <laughs> you know, like do it. If that's how you need to, to, to understand your relationship with God, by all means. But ultimately when I read the scriptures, when I read, you know, there is a, there is a want in me to like, know, memorize and just engulf the Torah, the first five books of the Bible into me so that learn as, it. 
Yeah, live as, it. The, as, love the, it. as the foundation, though, right? And some people are going to say, "Oh, well, I, you know, like the gospels are so much more important or whatnot." But they, but they rest on the Torah. And the interesting thing is, is that when I was when I was teaching through Acts, and then when I started teaching through uh, Luke, the the going back to the Tanakh, going back to the Old Testament, is is a constant. Right, they constantly are going back, and they're constantly using the Torah as the foundation and the basis for what they're talking yeah. about. I, I, I mean, you, you can't make sense of it otherwise, you know. I, and the psalmist good... in one sixty nine, right, or in in one nineteen, he says, "Oh, how I love your law! Oh, how I love your Torah!" I think it's there's like, twelve. Man, I get that. I think there's, if I remember right, there's twelve times where the verb love is used in Psalm one nineteen. And the and the objects are always your commandments, your statutes, your judgments, your decrees, and your name. And there's maybe one, maybe one. I think there were six different deals. But, but okay, but but why is that, Rob? This yeah, and this goes. How, by, this how goes, does the guy? How does the guy who says, "Caleb, you don't understand the gospel. You need to go eat a ham sandwich." How does that? It just doesn't sound like a, the same spirit of the psalmist that wrote Psalm 119. And if the ecclesia is one spirit, I, I need, my spirit needs to be checked against the scripture so that I can discern what is the unity of spirit, right? Uh, that's why we need the canon. That's why I can't look at the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch is a different spirit. You, you can't, <laughs> you know, the reading the book of Enoch is not edifying your inner man. It's not the Holy Spirit, you know. The scriptures are the are the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of mainstream Christi- Christians see the Torah, see the law as, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. I think that that, that is totally the wrong mindset. The reason why is I because- agreed, but it's I I think it's not. At some point, you can't you can't blame the pastor anymore. You it's the look. You're a grown up. You know how to read. <laughs> yeah. You know, at what point, but, but ultimately, <laughs> and you know the, how to think and ask questions, right? The point, I guess the point that I'm making is, is that when we, th- when we back to the warrior culture, when, when we think of, of the warrior culture, the, the Torah is like the warrior code of conduct for that specific, you know, for that specific sect or that specific academy or that whatever, you know, it's the documents that you love because it is what, what guides you in, in your entire life. And so it's not like, oh, I have to, you know, I can't eat, you know, sugary. I can't eat this Danish because, uh, you know, because, oh my, you know, I have to. No, it's, I'm not going to eat this because I know that if I do that tomorrow, I'm going to get crushed and it's going to, it's not going to be cool. So in other words, there, we, we, the way that I look at the Torah is not something that I have to do. It is the, it is the kingdom documents. It is our constitution. It's our bill of rights. It's the things, you know, it's our warrior culture, culture code of conduct. It's the blessing that we get from the King. And it's a personal document to me, right? So when somebody says you don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore, I mean, Really, no offense to anyone who would say that, but what a stupid thing to say in my mind. That's a, that's an idiotic thing to say. Idiot. <laughs> and the, but the reason why is because I get to keep the Sabbath, man. I mean, it's it's a gift. It is a gift from God. So for someone to say you don't have to, it's like it's like me giving a present to my child, and then they open it, and they're all pumped about it, and then you say, uh, "Yeah, but you don't have to keep that. Here, give it back." You're free now. You don't have to play with this. 
No one would ever think that to do that to a child. And in the same way, our king has given us gifts, and those gifts are guidelines. In Judaism, Judaism has this right. I, I'll give them this for sure. The, within Judaism, they say the more commandments a person has, the more God loves them. And they liken this to things like, you know, if a child reaches out to touch a fire, you don't let the child touch the fire. You stop them. That's, you're saying, no, you can't do that. Why? Because you love them, not because you dislike them. And so when God gives commandments, the more commandments he gives, the more he loves a person. And this is one of the reasons that, now Judaism is wrong in this. They say, well, this is why, this is why Israel uh, you know, is loved more. This is why they are the chosen people is because they have more commandments. We, I disagree with that fully. Yeah. Uh, well, and they try to quantify the God's love through the commandments in like 613, even right. though in the middle ages, they disagree on which 613 they are. Um, and then the Gentiles only have, you know, seven or the sons of Noah, whatever. See, that's and, the yeah. other thing is that people think that the people be like, oh yeah, that the, you know, Acts 15 is a, is a precursor to the no, no, Noahkite laws. Dude, the Noahkite laws are a total dig on Gentiles. It's not, hey, you only have to keep seven laws. It's you have seven laws to keep and you can't even keep them. That's yeah. how Judaism views the Noahkite laws. Not you're lucky because you only right. have seven laws. Oh, so, okay. I love that Rob called out the book of Enoch being of a different spirit. I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately one of the things that I've seen recently is the Et Sefer Bible. And this is, I mean, we, it's been a couple years, if not five or six years since we've talked about the Et Sefer Bible. Uh, now I've gotten in online, uh, arguments with, uh, what's his name? Pigeon with, uh, <laughs> Stephen Pigeon. Doctor. Oh, doctor. Don't Stephen forget. Pigeon. Although um, I don't know, as to, it obviously he might nothing. have a legit doctorate, but if he does, it's, it's in not something in like medicine. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a lawyer here. Actually, he's a lawyer in Bellevue, uh, which is really close to me. Um, and I said that uh, I said something to him like that he wasn't a real scholar. He got upset by that and said, "You know, like how dare you?" And I said, "Okay, who was your Hebrew teacher?" And he and his response was not my Hebrew teacher was he was like well who is your Hebrew teacher Mister Scholar that yeah. was his response to me and I was like well Tim Hag here's and the thing my exactly Greek here's the thing teacher was <laughs> you you don't want to get us started on our teachers because we will tell you all about our favorite teachers and all the our mentors our, there are our mentors. gratitude to Dude. God for bringing them into our life and the powerful. <sighs> Yeah. shaping that they've had on our walk. I mean, if someone gives you that answer, you ask and, and that shows me that they are operating. That's it. You've, you've just, you've just identified the wolf, the wolf behind the sheep's clothing knows that now you you've seen be, beneath the disguise. Right. And because he's trying to deflect, he'll deflect it to something else. Cause you've, you've, poked a hole in his It's uh, interesting his because disguise. I mean I, I keep going back to warrior culture here but once again back to back to the analogy of these fake black belts you go on to any legit any legit martial art website and they'll say I received my black belt from with the name of the dude right or the gal whatever and you can go look that person up there's like this progression right back to whoever like in, in jujitsu, it's like, I 
received my black belt from this person who received from this person who received from Gracie and everybody right. knows who Gracie right. is. <laughs> it's only within the Torah movement. <laughs> it's not only, but within the Torah movement, you get all these guys who are like, I'm not telling you who my teachers are. Why would I do that? That, that, that doesn't matter. My teacher. How, is dare, the, how dare you ask? The one I love is my teacher is the Holy spirit. It's like, Oh, Oh, so, so, you know, per, you know, the, the, verbal paradigms perfectly then yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly and there's I, I i you know can you write them down for me dude what, oh man. i can't do that uh okay you've got to go talk to your teacher that's the thing man you, i mean literally it's it's this repetition working over and over and over and over again on things that i think are just ridiculous but they're important you know and ultimately going back to the at sefer bible if if you have an Et Sefer Bible, throw it away. It's, it is trash. And the reason why is because it adds to the canon, which automatically disqualifies it. Automatically. Well, you have but, a do-it-yourself scholar, a DYI Bible. It's a do-it-yourself Bible. <laughs> like he's made it his own DIY Bible. DIY Bible. Oh, my word. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Okay, there's a, there's a new... Okay, Rob has a couple new ones. So, hell is hell. <laughs> Hell is hell. The DIY is love, Bible. Is love, right? Hell is hell. The DIY Bible. And like what you do, it's an app. You go and you just grab whatever books like you want to, you know. How can I shape my own theology? Yeah, yeah. The Put do, all these the books DIY, DIY canon. <laughs> like you just make your own canon. And you can just have open canon. You can just always add books, you know. These days with digital Bible. See, in the Middle Ages, you couldn't do this because... You could, the book would just get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you can't have an open canon. But today, due to technological advances of humankind, you can have an open canon, as many books as you want, and carry it all on a thumb drive. It's, it's just a wonderful time we live in. <laughs> I think John Chris just did a uh, video on like the, the write-in Bible or something where you could make your, like you could change verses digitally. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah, That's so good. I like it. <laughs> totally off topic, but I left all of my. I was I have my sound equipment on a roller, so I can roll it up to right here, and I can you know play with it. I left nice. it over there. I was like, oh cool, my uh, my my cords are long enough. I don't even have to move it. But now I don't have my cough button. So if you've heard me cough mm -hmm. a bunch, that would be the reason why is because my cough button is, is way over there. Do we have? Do we still have the uh, Netanyahu? You can Google it. Do we still? have Oh that? yeah. Okay, I do. Cool. It, it's on my, uh, it's no, we don't yeah. need it now. I was just earlier yeah. when we were talking about uh, the Google, I thought. Okay. Okay. Well, guess what? Our show notes got us through about 55 to 58 minutes. We're going to, we're going to call it. Um, I don't have, I, I'm Caleb, sorry. I just realized something. One last What's comment. That? Love no. always wins. The acronym is law. L A W. Oh. So, so one of your books you're going to write is love always wins, but then you'll have L A W along the side with a different color font. Yes. Do it, man. I, I I've it. got all these ideas. So hell is hell. Hell is hell. Law. It's a new shirt. Love always wins is law. And what was the other? There was another one. I forgot it. See, that's the thing. I've got ideas and then I can't remember. them. <laughs> Uh, Love is Bigger gave us a uh, a super chat, and we do appreciate it. I do not have my soundboard up uh, today. 
And there's a lot of reasons for that, but hopefully by next week, I will have all that up and running as well. I'm, to be honest with you, we've had so much trouble in the past couple of weeks. I was just trying not to, it's like one of those, don't touch anything. <clears throat> see if, see if you can just get it to work if you don't touch anything. So thank you very much for the, uh, for the super chat. Love is bigger. And, uh, yeah, we will be back next week. I have no clue what we are going to talk about. And so this is where you come in. If you have something you'd like us to talk about, we're not guarantee guaranteeing we will, but you can, uh, give us a call 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. That number is actually being ported into a different system. And so, um, yeah, hopefully that'll happen in the next day or two. But anyway, you can also write us an email. Do that for now. Seahagatorresource.com. Or type an email. Yeah, there you go. All right. Hey, man. It's been real, man. It's been fun. It's been real fun. I love that green light behind you, Caleb. You do? Uh, I think you need a tiny little spotlight for Spurgeon, though. Like a tiny little that's down and it's like shines up on him. And then it'll have a little it'll have a little shadow on your wall, the Spurgeon shaped shadow, but he'll have a little shine, a little light. I, I'm going to work something out. <laughs> Just a tiny little spotlight. That's right. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.